0: Today on episode 127 of the Computer Tutor Podcast, if you hold a 500 gigabyte hard drive in your hand and you look at the label on it, it's going to say right there, 500 gigabytes. But if you put it in a computer and click to look at it from there, your computer's going to display something like a total of 465 gigabytes. What's up with that, hard drive manufacturers? episode of The Computer Tutor. Tips, tricks, and advice from a computer pro. Without all the tech talk. And now, here is your Computer Tutor, Scott Johnson. Good morning, my friend. Yeah, I'm talking to you. This is The Computer Tutor Podcast, and I'm your personal Computer Tutor, Scott Johnson. Now, if you're new to the show, this is the show where we talk about computer stuff, but we talk about it in simple language, not geek language like today's show, which is about computer hard drives. You're not going to hear me talking about the actuator arm, even though that's a critical part of the hard drive, because no one cares about that. You just want your hard drive to be the right size and do what you want it to do. And if your computer has a problem, I'm your guy. I can most likely fix it remotely so you don't even have to bring it to a shop. Just give me a call, 727-254-9078, or email me at pctutor at gmail.com. And today's computer tip can be seen at my website at computertutorflorida.com forward slash 127. So let's get started. Are we getting scammed by the hard drive manufacturers? I'm talking about Western Digital, Seagate, Toshiba, Samsung, all the big name companies that make computer hard drives. When they sell us a hard drive that's a certain size, and our computer says it has less space than what it's supposed to have are we as consumers once again being ripped off? Well, the answer to that is no. We are not being scammed or ripped off or cheated. So before you start thinking evil thoughts about those hard drive companies, let's take a look at what's going on. Now, here's a quick summary of what I'm talking about in case you're confused about this. If you go to your Windows computer right now, Hold down the Windows key in the lower left area of the keyboard. It's got a little Microsoft logo. And while you're holding that down, tap the letter E. That brings up a little window called Windows Explorer, and it's going to display the various drives on your computer. Usually the hard drive is letter C. So if you do a right-click on the C drive icon and choose Properties, you're going to see a little pie chart that shows your hard drive space visually. You'll also see some numbers. You're going to see used space, free space, and capacity. Now the one we're talking about today is capacity. That means the overall usable space on the drive. On my computer, it says my capacity is 1.81 terabytes, even though my hard drive is a two terabyte hard drive. If you have a one terabyte hard drive, it might show a capacity of 0.9 terabytes. A 320-gig drive often shows a capacity of 297 gigs. Well, that seems like it doesn't make sense, right? And that's what prompted Preston to send me this question by email recently. He wrote, Scott, I'm wondering why when you get a new hard drive, you don't get the full amount of space that it says on the box. When I got my PC a few years ago, it said I had a 500-gigabyte hard drive. But when I look at the drive, it only says I have 465 gigabytes. Well, it turns out there are actually a few reasons why this is happening. One reason is something called a hidden partition on the hard drive. This just means that space is taken up by something else, but it's not immediately seen when you just look at the capacity of the drive. A very common type of hidden partition is called the recovery partition. And you've actually probably seen evidence of this, even if you didn't know what it was when you saw it. You might notice when you first turn on your computer Before it actually gets to Windows, there are a few messages on the screen, and one of them could be something like telling you to hit F10 for recovery options. Well, different computers use different keys for this, and some don't have this option at all, but this just allows you to access that recovery partition in case you need to reinstall Windows. It's one of those things you hope you never really need to use, but if it's there, it's taking up some space on your hard drive, and that affects the overall capacity that's shown. Another reason for the difference in capacity is a little thing called System Restore. Well, System Restore is a feature in Windows that lets you take your computer back to the state it was in on a certain date in the past, like three days ago or a week ago. It's actually a pretty handy thing. It can be a lifesaver if Windows gets really messed up. Well, think about the storage space that's needed to contain a complete picture of your computer the way it was a week ago. That's space that's used up on your hard drive. Now, what if you have two system restore dates stored on your computer? Even more space. And I've seen some computers where they have 10 or 15 previous dates stored. That might not make a big difference on a large hard drive, but on a smaller one, it can tie up a big portion of the drive. And a third reason for the capacity difference is the file structure of the hard drive itself. What this means is that your hard drive is not just an empty box you can throw your digital files and folders into. It has to keep all of your data stored in an organized manner, so that when you need something, it shows you the right thing. Think of it like this. I want you to picture a four-drawer file cabinet. You've seen these. They're about five feet tall. You might have one in your office where you work. Now, I want you to picture that file cabinet without any drawers. The only way you can put your files in is a big hole in the top. So you keep all of your important files in there just by dropping them down the hole from the top. Now, the only good thing about this setup is that you can use the entire space inside the filing cabinet, 100% of it. But the problem is that it's virtually useless because there's no system for organization. Now, on the other hand, if we used a little bit of that space for drawers, And then inside the drawers, we have those wire frames for the hanging file folders. Then we can put our manila folders and our papers in that filing cabinet, and we know exactly where to go to get something very quickly. But in order to do that, we had to give up a small percentage of the overall space. Well, that's kind of how your hard drive works. You don't want to go to your computer and ask for a picture of your daughter's wedding and have your computer pop up and show you your tax return. That obviously would not work. So the hard drive includes a file storage system to keep everything organized, and that's a good thing, even though it uses up a little bit of the overall space on the drive. So now you know why your hard drive might display a storage size different from what you think it should be. There actually are a couple other technical reasons for it, but I'm not going to go into that. They're so boring they'd probably put you right to sleep, and you might be driving right now, so we're not going to take that chance. But before I close up this episode, I do want to read a couple of things I got this week. First off, from a regular listener who prefers to remain anonymous, I got this email. He wrote, Scott, I just had to write in after listening to the show about using a neighbor's Wi-Fi. This is a show that we did uh, a couple of weeks ago. I have a friend who works for law enforcement. This friend worked a case where a person was stealing a neighbor's Wi-Fi and downloading child pornography. So the police identified the target who had open Wi-Fi. That means this person had a Wi-Fi signal with no password, meaning anyone nearby could log on and use this person's Internet signal. A search warrant was conducted at 6 a.m. Can you imagine having the cops at your door at 6 a.m. with a search warrant? But no child porn was found at that location. Well, after some investigation, a new suspect was identified a few houses down. They were able to get the email address of the person downloading the illegal pornography. And guess what? He had gotten that email address such a long time ago, he had actually used his real name when he set up the account with AOL many years ago. So they were able to get a search warrant, and they caught the guy. Long story, but I had to tell it because... Using a neighbor's Wi-Fi or sharing your Wi-Fi is very dangerous, and your podcast was right on. Why someone would not password protect their Wi-Fi signal is beyond me. Well, I'm with you there, my friend, but hopefully we're getting the word out, and hopefully people will think about doing this now. It's just too dangerous to not have a password on your Wi-Fi signal. And finally, I also wanted to read something that someone wrote for me this past week. This is an iTunes review. If you don't already know it, you can help me out in a big way by going to iTunes and finding my show, The Computer Tutor Podcast, and leaving a rating and a review there. Anyway, that's what my friend Jordan did when he wrote this review. He wrote, I grew up with computers and taught myself 99% of what I know about them. I know how to build computers, and as a Ph.D. student and researcher, I'm fully dependent on my computer for my career but being self-taught means i have a lot of knowledge in some areas and very little in others thus i can program my own windows applications in visual basic i can analyze data in matlab and spss i can remap my keyboard keys and replace burned out capacitors but so why do i listen to this podcast because Scott evens out the areas of knowledge about computers that I've completely neglected in my problem-focused approach to computers. These are things like security, efficient backup and recovery plans, and good online computer etiquette. In addition, the little tips and tricks such as how to force YouTube to fully buffer videos, replacing ethernet cables to speed up internet speeds, and general opinions about the various software packages that are available make my busy life just a little bit easier. I highly recommend Scott's podcast for experienced and inexperienced users alike. Keep it up, Scott. So thanks for that, Jordan. Uh, Actually, Jordan emailed me separately with some ideas and recommendations for the show, which I also definitely appreciate. And I'd like to hear from you as well, whether it's an iTunes review or a message at my podcast voicemail line at 727-386-9468, or an email, which you can send to pctutor at gmail.com. And that's going to do it for this week. As always, I'll see you back here next Monday morning with another computer tip. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Computer Tutor Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again for listening and have a great week. God bless.